Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. Three minutes after 12 is the time. Don't take my word for it. Listen to Jill. Dear James, I'm so excited. My office moved to a new building before Christmas and we have virtually no windows and very, very poor radio reception. We have to agile work or hot desk and today I got the last desk available where no one wants to sit. But hooray! It turns out I can get LBC so can listen to Mystery Hour, albeit a bit crackly. Oh, I've missed you, James. Make it a good one. Love, Jill. Jill, I, I'm only as good as the callers I get. Oh, three, four, five, six, oh, six, oh, nine, seven, three is the number you need to be one of them. If you're new to this programme, what do you think Jill is getting so excited about? Well, I, I'll tell you. It is the only item on British radio that comes with guarantees. And those guarantees include this. By one o'clock today, you will know more than you do now. You really will. May not be knowledge that you're grateful for, may not be knowledge that you find in any way remotely useful, but it will be knowledge which you don't currently have. And the second guarantee, it's very rare that a whole mystery hour passes without at least one LOL moment, one laugh out loud, genuinely. Uh, It's usually not provided by me, it's usually provided by you, sometimes intentionally. So those are the guarantees I can offer to you today. What what mysteries are we going to solve? We'll find out imminently. How we solve them, I'll just explain to anybody who is new to the feature. Here it is. You have, bubbling away somewhere in the back of your brain, a question that you know must be answerable. Uh, You could perhaps have found out the answer by going to the library and and digging out some encyclopedias or Googling it, looking it up online. It's perfectly plausible. If you know it's got an answer, you probably know that you could find it. But you don't want to, or you haven't got around to it, or you've been saving it for me, or, or, or it's a little bit harder to pin down precisely than that. You wouldn't know exactly how to phrase the question in order to get it answered by an internet search engine. But... Somebody listening to this program will know the answer. So what you do, you give me a ring on 0345 You ask me the question. If it is not boring, you will get through. Caroline and Victoria work harder during this hour than anybody in British radio works elsewhere, ever. But uh, their job is rendered a hell of a lot easier if we avoid dullness like the plague. So if it's a question about, I don't know, roundabouts or roads, it will almost always be construed too dull for inclusion. Here's a good test. Ask yourself this. Ask yourself the question and then ask yourself, will anyone except me really be interested in the answer to that question? And if you think, yeah, I reckon everybody will be, um, then ring in. If you think, do you know what, James, on reflection, you're right, just just me and Auntie Doris really will be on, uh, interested in the answer, then leave it where you are. Repetition is our responsibility. We've been dropping the ball a bit on that lately. I don't know why. Short-term memory is not what it used to be. But the question that you ask, if it's been asked recently and I can remember answering it, it won't come through. Um, relatively new production team at the moment, which is why the repetition bar has been set quite low lately. But we're all we're all minded to improve that recently. It means I have to concentrate. So remind me of that if it sounds like I'm drifting. Number, done it. Email and text and tweet, not really active this hour because it's all about the phones. If you hear somebody else ask a question to which you know the answer, 03456060973. We can only do one question a week on the origin of a phrase or a word, so uh, we've already got one on the board. Don't ring in with that. We, we can only do one a week. Otherwise, oddly, the whole show turns into questions about the origins of phrases and the origins of words, and it's not quite as interesting as you'd think it would be. How do I know that? Because we've tried it. 
Seven minutes after 12 is the time. Mystery hour is upon us. The phone lines are open. If you hear me say the number, it means I've got a phone line free. And before we go to Matt, who's in Kettering, an awful lot of you are very keen to hear the end of that war game story that David was telling us just before the news, before being rudely interrupted. So I can tell you that while they were up for, for, for the war game with their boy on a double scholarship at Eton, and a bunch of mud-splattered boys walked past, absolutely covered from head to toe, one of them turned out to be Prince William. Or possibly Prince Harry. I didn't have time to double-check. But that was the end of the story. So we crack on? Yeah? You ready? You ready? You ready? I'm ready. Matt and Kettering, you ready? Yes, I am, James, yeah. Let's do it. Um, yeah. Brilliant, James. Great to talk to you. Um, I've been meaning to nail this one to you for the last couple of months. Um... When me and my other half uh, were washing, washing the baby, uh, oh, as we are, yes. she'll, always, she'll always say to me, make sure you run the water lukewarm. Lukewarm. And I'll say, yeah, no problem, yeah, no problem. Now, I don't want to sound silly, but why Luke? I've always run, and I always wind her up, and I say, well, why not Mark, or James, or John, or... John, John Warm. You know, Luke anyway, Warm. I mean, my, my dad used to say it to me before he passed, when I was little, you know, make sure he said lukewarm, son. Yeah, all right, no problem. Why on earth lukewarm, James? Well, I d- first, first, first things first. I doubt it's linked to the Christian name. It's probably got a different okay. a- answer to that. So, although personally, I quite like the idea of of, of, of you running the, the water, James Warm or Matt Warm. Well, I think yeah. that's got a nice <laughs> ring to it. Hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've been winding her up all the time about it. <laughs> Love it. I bugged me for, for months. Yeah, I can see why now you come to mention it. I hope we get an answer. It's going to be bugging us all for months now, Matt. How old's uh, the little one? Uh, he's fourteen months, mate. Is he your first? He is. Yes. Can you remember what a full night's sleep is like? Uh, yeah, vaguely, yeah. just about. Right. Well, it does. It comes back round again. I promise you. Take care, Matt. It's a lovely question. Origins of the phrase lukewarm. But remember, we can only do one origins of a phrase a week. Maybe I'll allow another one on when we've answered that one. Is that fair? Is that fair? Is that reasonable? I think that's fair. Okay. So when we've got an answer to that one, we'll stick another one on. Uh, Steve is in Bury St Edmunds. Steve, question or answer? Question, James. Go on then. I want to know what our when we say ouch, O U C H, when we hurt ourselves. Is it learned behaviour? No one actually says ouch, do they? I do. No, you don't. You go, ow! Yeah, okay, but it's ouch. No, no, you don't put the chut on the end. I do. You don't? I do. Are you on your own at the moment? Yes. Oh, I was going to ask someone to punch you. Then we could test your theory. (laughs) No doubt, during the day, yeah? (laughs) So, go on, is it... it, It's learned behaviour, or it was made up, i.e. somebody wrote it down first. I like that as a question. I do genuinely say it, and I want to know whether I saw it written down. It is. I mean, oddly enough, after I just laid the law down, and this isn't a criticism of you, but but it is. A, it could turn into an origin of a word question. This, and I've just said I don't want any more origin of words questions. Oh, what? <laughs> I've been, it's not really though, is it? Because yeah. Yeah. go on. It, it's more to do with feelings and, and pain. Right. Rather than the origin of a word. All right, I'll let, yeah. I'll, I'll let you have that. Yeah. You, what are the other examples? Of this? So you said, we used to do a great little riff on words that you only ever see in newspaper reports, like romp and love nest. They're words that no one ever uses in real life. So I wonder if, if cartoons are the same when they write... You remember the old Batmans when they write kapow? Yeah, yeah, this, is, yeah, this is what I'm thinking of, yeah. Yeah, I, I, that's why you, you could be onto something there. Ouch, I, ouch. I think they got it from... Us naturally saying it, and then they wrote it down, rather than vice versa. I, I don't think the ch occurs naturally. That's why you and I, you're a churist, and I'm a purist. I'm an owist, and you're an ouchist. I think the ch is, is a human invention, but the ow is probably reflex. Let's see. Let's, Let's find see. out. Who's going to know that, though? I don't know. I don't know. Oh, 
live in hope, eh? Steve, great stuff. David is in Highbury. David, question or answer? Hello, James. I've got a question for you. Yes. Why is the musical instrument a recorder? Why is it called a recorder? It doesn't record anything. When it was invented, there was nothing that could record it. So where did it get the name recorder from? That's another origin of what's going on here. Is anybody actually listening to me today? It's an origin of musical instrument names, not words. (laughs) The name of the musical instrument is a word. So I just spent five minutes saying I only want one question on the origin of words and phrases, and we now want to know the origin of lukewarm, the origin of ouch, and the origin of recorder. James, everything is a word, isn't it? Come on. No. Okay. For example, (coughs) that wasn't a word. (laughs) Did they have a CH on the end of it? We'll find out. So, is it not to do with the chords in music? I don't know. That's why I phoned you. So, it was a chordo, something you play. No, I can't even get close to that one. Why is a recorder called a recorder? Is ouch as an expression of pain uh, learned behaviour? And what's the origin of the phrase lukewarm? There, I've made it sound like they're not all etymological inquiries, haven't I? (laughs) I think. Why do you want to know? No, I don't. I was listening to an advert on your radio station a little while ago, and I'm thinking to myself, why does only school children learn to play the recorder? And then I thought, why is it even called a recorder? So that's uh, that's where it came from. No, you're on. We'll get you an answer. We'll get you an answer. Um, Or at least we'll try. Uh, Interesting interesting chatter reaching me from the the internet. Is that French people? It's a bit like we had some French visitors just before Christmas. It was a, uh, at my children's primary school. We gave away a sort of visit as part of an auction, and the family came, and they, they were French. And I was talking about when I was at school, cockerels go, when I got taught French at school, French cockerels go, cockerico, cockerico. And of course they don't. They make exactly the same noise as English cockerels do. But cockerico, cockerico. I'm learning that in France, apparently, French people go, oh yeah, oh yeah, rather than going ouch or ow. So that would suggest there is. A little bit more wisdom to that question than we initially thought. Nick's in Southgate. Nick, question or answer? Question, please, James. Yes. Right. I want to know why on a roulette wheel, when you add up all the numbers together, why do they come to 666? If you've played roulette in your lifetime and you've got a fortune like, like myself and like friends around me, you know, why it's such an evil game, and they add up, if you add them together, to 666, and I want to know why. Have you been on hold since 11 o'clock yesterday, when we were doing conspiracy theories? No. No. So you are suspecting there might be a demonic explanation for this, and that the Dark Lord Beelzebub may be responsible for roulette yes. wheels? <laughs> yes, I do, yes. All right. What, do, do, remind us what the roulette wheel goes up to. It goes up to 36. And that's including, yeah, up to basics, from one to basics, forget the zero. If you add them all together, they come to 666. So 36 plus 35 plus 34, and then it's all times yeah. two, because you've got red and black, or is it, is it... No, 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 they just add them all together. So the reds and the blacks. So you add all the reds and all the blacks together, and it comes up to 666. Correct. And I'm going to take your word for that. Please. Okay. Well, the, I mean, the, the simple answer is, because there are 36... Numbers on the roulette wheel. Have have you ever played roulette? Are you a gambler in any way, shape or form? Yes. You are. Have you played roulette? Yes. You have? Yes. I I will take it, you're not... You've never gambled... I've never never lost more than... I've never lost more than I can afford to lose. No, thank God. 
Okay, when, when I've, got, I've got friends who have lost millions. Yeah. And I don't know, and I don't know anyone, anyone... But no one's going to be able to ring in and say, yeah, you're right, it's the Dark Lord Beelzebub's favourite game. You probably don't know that, do you? Well, I'm pretty confident... Well, all right, someone might ring in and say it's the Dark Lord Beelzebub's favourite game, but it's highly unlikely they'll be able to go definitive. (laughs) I I know, I I agree. But, listen, I've been playing for years, and and I've done an absolute fortune, and so have friends of mine. Well, stop playing. Stop playing. That's the first thing to say. No, no, forget that. Listen, I'm not playing anymore. I've done all my money. Okay. But what I'm saying is... I've got none left. um, I've given up gambling. Why? I've got no money left. Fair enough. Correct. That's my, that's my story. But Why do the numbers add up to 666? Like knows. All right. Yeah, 666. I'll get you an answer. You Thank mind? you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Mind how you go. It's 1216. 22 minutes after 12 is the time. Mystery Hour is upon us. Um, and it is, of course, your weekly opportunity to get answers to the questions you can't get answered anywhere else. For example, what's the origin of the phrase lukewarm? What is ouch learned behaviour? I'm leaning towards yes, it must be, because other nationalities seem to say ow or express a pain uh, in slightly different ways. Why is the musical instrument, the recorder, called a recorder, given that it doesn't record anything? And why do the numbers on a roulette wheel add up to 666? I think you can see the direction in Nick, in which Nick was leading us there, but whether or not anybody, I don't know, might be some sort of historical explanation for it that does invoke the Dark Lord Beelzebub. We will find out. You can add your own questions to that list by dialing 03456060973, and there should be a line free as soon as we finish with Mike in Dartford. Mike, question or answer? Answer, James. Go on. Uh, basically, the origins of lukewarm, from memory, becomes from the 14th or 15th century, when it used to be Luke, spelled L-E-W-K, which in Old English used to mean tepid. Where are you getting this from? Uh, well, basically, when I was at school some ten years ago, we had a, an RE teacher called the Reverend Collier who was absolutely mad, yeah. but brilliant. And when he had a debating class, he used to go off on these massive anecdotes about random stuff just because he felt it was funny. And that's one of the things he started rambling on about, and it's just always stuck with me until that question just came on. Oh, wow. Good old... What was his name again? Reverend Radley? Reverend Collier. Reverend Collier. Where did I get Radley from? I'm going mad. Reverend Collier. Um, his work obviously still reaches beyond the... Over the years, through the generations, and, and remains relevant. So, L-E-W-K meaning mild. Yeah, it meant tepid. So, yeah, do we know why? It's just been, no idea, no. It's just been changed over it's the years. probably, looking at it, it's probably Scandinavian in some way, isn't it? Or Old English, you know, sort of one of those Germanic words. Yeah. Luke. Well, over the years, it's, it's gone from being L-E-W-K to just being spelt Luke, as, as we say it in the name. And your qualifications are Reverend Collier? Yes. Round of applause. Great play, Mike. Nicely done. 12.24 is the time. Charles is in Soho. Charles, question or answer? Uh, it's our answer, but I'm not absolutely... I was pretty certain, because you was cluing me onto it with the recorder. Yeah. Because I think it's, like, probably read corder. But they're oh, not yeah. all reads, I don't think, now. I'm not certain. I've got, shit, I've got to be honest. I'm not certain. Yeah, but they, they might have been reads. I mean, it's a, it's an old instrument. Henry VIII played it. Yeah, it probably is. It probably is the read. But, sorry, I, I, I couldn't say I know it in absolute... Well, you can't, you silly man. You've come on and... Sh- shot your own fox. I can't give you a round of applause now, even if you're right, because you've sort of made it sound all doubtful. Honest guy, see? Well, that's your first mistake. You're never going to get anywhere in this world if you're honest, Charles. Yeah, turn it out. <laughs> Except on mystery. No, I can't. I can't. No, I can't. I can't. I can't. Uh, you, you, 
you could. You've got the power. You've got the power. By the power of Grayskull. I have the power by the power. So the reed, as in on an oboe or a clarinet, where you have that thing on the... And why corda, then? Why corda? Because you play chords on it. The musical chord, yeah, you're playing chords. I'm almost certain that back in the day, you wouldn't have been able to make a moulded plastic mouthpiece, would you? So you would have definitely needed a reed. You you needed a reed, You needed a reed. What did you need? You need a reed. (laughs) (laughs) Go on, then. If it's wrong, will will you give it back? Yeah, yeah. I thought you were honest. A round of applause. Reed Corder. I'm going with that, but only because Charles is so charming. And at least Mystery Act can be a place where honesty is rewarded. Ron's in Wormley in Hertfordshire. Ron, question or answer? It's a question, please. Carry on. How can I tell the age of a tree without sawing it down and counting the rings? Well, you plant it. Pardon? You plant it and then just wait. Oh, you... Silly man. <laughs> <laughs> that would work. That is an answer to your question, Ron. Then you've got to wait for donkey's years to find out how. how Not donkey's years, a very specific number of years. If, for example, you've been waiting for 17 years, you will know definitively that that tree is 17 years old. You mean yeah, a part, you mean an old, you mean an established tree. Yes, I, I, yes, I'd mean an established tree. Is there any way you can uh, you can uh, you can age an established tree? There must be because they tell us that the yew tree in in that graveyard in Kent somewhere is like six hundred years old, don't they, or something? That's correct. Yes. And they, they can't have chopped it, it down to count the rings, have they? They certainly haven't. I like that uh, actually. Uh, why do you want to know? Have you got an old tree in your garden? Yes, I have two. <laughs> How old are they? <laughs> They're as old as you. <laughs> <laughs> and the rest. Uh, we yeah, should, hopefully we can find out for you. There's, uh, oddly enough, a lot of people have the programme on while they're up trees. That's the strangest thing I've ever said. But we do. I have, a, I have a, 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 a disproportionate number of emails from tree surgeons after the show because they can't email me while they're up a tree. So they often get, I suppose you could with a smartphone, but I'd rather you didn't. Ron, we will find out. Lewis is in Surbiton. Lewis, question or answer? I've got a question, James. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, I was wondering, if someone's blind from birth, um, do they perceive images in their dreams? Not not in the sense that you and I would understand. They, they, they dream the, the visual images either. that they see ordinarily they can't ever know what for example what a church looks like we've done we've done this one before but i don't think i should take check the archive i can find anything oh really you check the archive yeah i even went that far james blimey you deserve some sort of badge i know right all right i'll leave it on the board then because uh, again sort of sounds like i'm just every question i get i'm claiming that i have a disproportionate following among people that are relevant to the question so i'm going to go now from tree surgeons to the visually impaired i know that i do have a lot of blind listeners so hopefully one of them will be able to ring in blind from birth though so you've never had uh, a visual recognition if you like type scenario You, you you don't know what a bus looks like can you dream about a bus it's a it's a good question i'm surprised that you couldn't find it in the archive but i believe you lewis take care why do you want to know just curiosity no yeah. just pure curiosity yeah, fair enough fair enough uh luke is in christchurch is it warm hi there hello James. luke question or speech it is answer for pascal and 666 why does the roulette wheel all the numbers on it add up to 666 the number of the beast Sorry. it's a supreme joke uh pascal invented probability um uh, he also invented gambling, right? And if you multiply uh, 36 by 37 and divide it by 2, right, you will get 666. It was a, a joke 
it, so, it, so it, if you it, do what? If you times 30, if you add what? Say that again. Well, if you've got a calculator, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you multiply 36 by 37 and divide it by 2, it's the sum of the sequence of numbers, and you will get 666. And he was um, an absolute uh, mathematical uh, genius, and uh, this was a, a joke. He invented gambling. Essentially, I, I don't know. I don't see where the link is. I think I, I, I see the observation, and Pascal and, and mathematicians love doing things that are. Uh, actually, I will use oh, this I think word. He was religious as well, right? And uh, I think it was a joke on. on you think it was, or you know it was. I know it from the numbers. Well, it's... <laughs> I don't have the historical. Contact. Yeah. To, uh, so we can't go. What do you mean historical a, contact? You could have read a book. You don't need to know Pascal. So you're right. I've checked. Thirty six times thirty seven divided by two, two. is six six six. And thirty six plus thirty yeah, five plus. It's, uh, and he was uh, he was the inventor of gambling, uh, essentially. Well, of course, he wasn't the inventor of gambling. You prune. Yeah, he was. That would be ridiculous. People bet on chariot yeah, well, races. Well, not not with Romans and stuff like that, you know. But uh, what do you mean, not with Romans and stuff like that? People gamble about how long it takes a drop of rain to dribble down a piece of wood. You can't say Pascal. When was Pascal around? Seventeenth century. Yeah, he was a genius. He well, was, all right, he was uh, a genius, but he didn't invent gambling. But if you look at those numbers, right? I bet you fifty you quid Pascal did not invent gambling. Uh, I bet you hundred quid he did. Well, you're on. All right, send me the check now. Uh, I'll raise it to 200. <laughs> I, I can't give you a round of applause for this, Luke. Even if you're close is, to the truth. He, no, you've ruined it. We're saying he invented it's gambling. Right, no, no, right, right. Let me just... Right, just... Uh, one woman. Uh, 30 more seconds, OK? 29. He, he was obsessed with sequences and numbers. He was. Right? Yeah. And uh, having studied mathematics, uh, Pascal worked out uh, how all sorts of sequences of numbers worked. So for him, that was just a joke. You know, he just thought that is just lovely. And he was in France when uh, they produced, uh, you know, the yeah. gambling places and all that. He was, he was actually hired. Oh God, well, mate, you've crashed the news. It's 12.30. What are you doing? With the people are waiting for the news and you're still warbling on. He, he, Blaise Pascal did invent roulette. I actually knew that, but he did not invent gambling. And whether or not... That doesn't... Sorry, mate, I've got to go to the news. Mystery Hour with James O'Brien on LBC. 12.37 is the time. Um, why do we say ouch? We've done the 666 question, but he wasn't quite good enough. There's definitely something there. It's involving Pascal. He did invent the roulette wheel. He was a huge fan of sequences. It's true that 36 times 37 divided by 2 is 666, and that 36 plus 35 blah, 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 is also 666. But why? Why do all the numbers on the roulette wheel add up to 666? We haven't got the definitive answer, with apologies to Luke. Speaking of Luke, we did get a definitive answer as to why Luke warm is a thing. But we don't know how you can work out the age of a tree without chopping it down and counting the rings. If you'd like to add any questions to that now quite short list, the number you need is 0345 6060 973. Jim's in Hoban. Jim, question or answer? It's an answer, James. Carry on, Jim. Uh, the rings in the tree, how do you count them? Okay, um, 
what they use is a long piece of metal. It's circular, and it's got a serrated edge at the beginning of it. And they put it on a drill, a hand drill, like the old carpenters used to use to carve a, a hole out of a piece of wood. And they start on the, the outside, naturally, where the bark is, and they start turning it. Eventually, that goes through to... They use a, a length, which will take them up to halfway. They measure the the width of the tree and then they work it out what piece of metal they're going to use and then they drill it in and then they just ease it out and inside that strip of metal is the piece of wood it's similar to what cheesemakers use when they put that long piece of metal in and twist it to take out the piece of cheese qualifications um i've got a friend who works in the council well what has no, no, no. I went. To <laughs> somebody gave that answer a few weeks, a few months ago, and I just roared out laughing. Anyway, no. Um, <laughs> you're right. That's right. You're yeah, better at this I than I am. As you're right, so, I've got a friend who works at the council. <laughs> do you remember when he said it? Go on. Anyway, uh, down near Goudhurst in Kent, there's a place called Bedgerbury Pintum, which yes. is a big forestry place. Um, when we were kids, my parents had a cottage on a farm there, and my dad took us up there my sister and I and there were some people working on trees and we were looking and I just standing there my dad asked what we're doing and that's what they were doing oh I love that, I think that I've got I've got someone on the other line with a different answer apparently okay. but I've got okay. to stay where you are Jim because I'm leaning towards okay. you at this point I'm just going to find okay. out what Martin in Morven has to say Martin uh, question or answer answer carry on how to estimate the age of a tree without cutting it down or killing it by putting a a cutter into it to pull out rings mm. <laughs> as the other gentleman's describing uh, but, uh, I have a, um, a tree preservation order on a large oak tree in my garden and the tree preservation officer came and he had a special tape measure which he wrapped around the thickest part of the tree uh, and that was actually divided by something like two and a quarter inches or two, two, two centimetres uh, and from that he was able to divide the circumference by this figure of 2.4 or whatever uh, and he estimated my tree at 450 years old. Which, which, that's fantastic to have such an old tree, but that wouldn't work for other trees. Why not? Because, well, other trees don't grow. It was a standardised on, you asked me a question. Trees. You asked me a question. Can I answer it? The reason it wouldn't work for other trees is that, all, that not all trees grow at the same rate as oak trees. He, yes, but he didn't pull out of his pocket a tape measure that was said, this one's for oak trees. It was a standardised measure. Yes, but it can't be standardised, can it? Because cause I've got a silver birch in my back garden that is never, ever, ever, ever in a billion years going to be as fat as an oak tree. Well, I suggest you get in touch with the tree preservation officer for the Malvern Hills District Council and ask him why he's using no, But I don't need to, because I understand why your answer's not right. Huh. If, it, if, it, if, if you're saying that divide by 2.4 whatever tree it is, it can't possibly be the case that that would work, because not all trees expand at the same rate. Well, he said it does. Well, he, and he's a qualified operator. Yeah, okay. Let me explain this to you again, all right? Here mm -hmm. is a tree that yeah, is ten um, metres wide. You mm. divide it by two and a quarter, and the answer will be four. And that tree grows at a rate of 2.5 metres per year, so you know that it's four years old, right? Here is another tree that's 100 years old, but it's only six inches wide. You divide that by 2.4, and the answer you get is a fraction. Mm -hmm. That is why your answer is wrong. Well, perhaps he looks it up. Oh, my Lord, it's 12.42. Jim, guess what? Go on. Round of applause. Thank you. 
I shouldn't do that. Every time I do that, it comes back to bite me on the backside. Uh, Zach's in Minnesota. Don't bite me on the backside. Zach, have you got a question or an answer? A question for you, James. Carry on, Zach. Minnesota, crikey, I should make a fuss. Woo! Now, carry on. Yeah, um, I'd like to know if human evolution has either slowed or stopped with the invention of modern medicine and all the other things that we have at our disposal. Why might it have done? Well, uh, just me thinking in my head, I wonder if um, traits and other things that normally would, and and I hate to, I don't know how to put this delicately, but, you know... Kill off the weak. Right. Yeah, that's Um, right. That was delicate. Kill off the weak. (laughs) If they are otherwise alive and reproducing when otherwise they would be dead thousands of years ago... So I wonder if, if that's... It's a big question, that. I mean, it d- 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 depends, doesn't it? Because it, you're right. If if you are speaking of a pre-chemotherapy era, then anybody who got cancer would have died. But I don't know if it would have compromised evolution because we would still get cancer. It's not... I suppose there is a degree of heredity to it. It's a, I, 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 my fear is the question is too big to, to actually answer, but I shall try. Do, do medicine has medicine. Yeah, medicine... It definitely hasn't stopped evolution, and, and there's no way we could establish if it, even if it had, because... The changes are so incremental over over generations. But has medicine affected evolution? Yeah, maybe the good professor can help us out. Oh, don't, stop bigging him up. Seriously. Actually, I don't think he got on last <laughs> week. So, yeah, maybe the good professor. A lot of people in Minnesota listening to Mystery Hour there, Zach. Lie to me. Lie um, to me. I'm sure I'll be the only one. Oh, yeah. no, you didn't. Oh, you did lie to me. It's 12.44. Nikki's in Cardiff. Nikki, question or answer? Um, it's an answer, James. Carry on, Nikki. Um, do blind people see images in their dreams if they're born blind? Yes. Uh, no. Qualifications? You can't physically see them, because um, if you've never actually seen anything, if you're born blind, you can't actually know what anything physically looks like. No. But they, can, um, they feel things, they smell things, they taste things, and there's a lot of talking as well. And so you, 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 all of the senses that you possess kick yeah. in in your dreams, but the sense yeah. that you don't possess doesn't. No. I, I'm going to ask what your qualifications are, but I think I, think I can probably <laughs> work it out. I was born blind. No way! Shut the front door. I did not see that coming. It was a brilliant answer. Do you get asked stuff like that a lot? Uh, yeah, taxi drivers do as well. And the the other one is, oh, you're very lucky because you were born blind, so you can't miss anything. um, I have a lovely guy called James, and he helps me round. Oh, uh, I love that. Um, round of applause for you. Thank you. Thank you. 12.45. 12.45. Grrr, says this text. It's impossible to get through. I want a steward's inquiry on the recorder question. Uh, do you know, I, there's nothing I can do about it. Try and grab the phone line that Nicky's just vacated. Um, and, and I'm happy to have a steward's inquiry, although I'm not taking back his round of applause, because he, he got it for being honest, as well as for being apparently right. 12.45 is the time. Ten minutes to one is the time. Let's crack on. Professor Hal is here from the University of Brighton. Uh, Professor Hal, for those of you new to this feature, is the Professor of the Public Understanding of Science at the University of Brighton and in many ways the patron saint of mystery. Our question or answer, Hal? Hello, James. Um, I would like to talk a little bit about the evolution question. Okay. Okay. So, first and foremost, it's actually... um, so it's for people who have just, you know, it has medicine affected evolution? Has it slowed it down or stopped it? Yes, okay. Um, we have to be really sort of delicate and, um, about this question because um, there are some little eco- ethical things hidden in it. Nature is hostile and... Um, not as hostile as Twitter. No, I suppose not. Um, Carry on. It is not as hostile as Twitter. Nature is indeed hostile and therefore any um, mutation which causes an individual to have a certain advantage will allow that individual to reproduce more than its peers. 
Yes. And therefore, the kind of, I mean, writing down the ways of saying it, if we obviate the need to overcome the hostility of nature by, for example, medicine, yeah. we're actually preventing natural selection. Yes, that was what, that's what he was driving at, isn't it, Zach, in Minnesota? Well, I, I, I agree with him. Yeah. I think that uh, but evolution is a very passive thing. It's not an active thing. Sure. Hand pushing it along, it happens by chance. And as a sort of nice way of finishing off, did you know that Darwin ever, never ever coined the phrase survival of the fittest? It was sort of coined as a nod to what he said, and he nearly got scooped because someone else was independently developing the theory, and he sat on his results for 10 years, and he just had to publish them in a rush by gentleman's agreement. I did know that, actually, yes. Oh, but, so no, that's, no, but only because I studied it at college, and I was trying to remember the name of the bloke who actually sort of was ahead of Darwin on it, just so that I could be even more smug than usual, but I forgot, so that's a big relief for everybody. I feel so deflated now. But anyway, no, you yeah. shouldn't feel deflated. It's not just about me, Mystery Hour. It's about the hundreds of thousands of people listening. And, and 44 million, actually, who now have access to it. Everyone who ever gets on a British Airways plane. You'll be famous soon, Hal. <laughs> Thank you, James. You're very welcome. Round of applause. <laughs> so it would, yeah, have an effect on me. Of course it would, but it, it, not in a sense that would make anybody go, we need to get rid of medicine, because evolution's suffering. Bev's in Camberwell. Bev, question or answer? Um, question, please, James. Yes, Bev. Okay. Postcodes. Oh, Lord. How do they... Postcodes? We've just no, done evolution. We've done evolution. We've done the number of the beast. We've been chopping down trees. You want to talk about postcodes? When I was looking at a tree whilst the guy was asking the question... 44 million British Airways customers could be listening to the good calls this week. I don't think this is going to be one of them, is it? If you're some sort of... What if you're from Saudi Arabia? You're sitting on a plane. They don't even know what postcodes are. Well, there you go. When they arrive in London or wherever, they're going to think, all right, why is South East 1 not next to South East 2? Oh. Or... Why is Southwest Ten like Chelsea, and then you've got Chelsea? Southwest Ten's Battersea. No, Southwest Eleven is Battersea, which is oh, yeah. right. incidentally next to each other. But they me. don't all link in because then you've got Sloane. Well, I lived in I lived in Southwest Ten. I'm sure I lived in Bat. No, was that when I lived in Chelsea? Was that when I lived in Battersea? I don't know, but you. I don't know. I all don't right. Know. What do you want to know? What is the link with the postcode? Because oh, sorry, I nodded off. Tell me again. What do you want to know? So. You know the postcodes, you've got, like, just say, Southwest 1, Southwest 2, Southwest 3. They're not next to each other, so what are they linked to? Somebody was saying, it, um, just telling me the other day, it was, like, the, um, they were in alphabetical order, but that doesn't make sense, because Battersea Southwest 11. Yeah, but it might not have been Battersea. And Chelsea Southwest 10. Yeah, you're right, actually. South Chelsea is Southwest 10. That's sort of bit of the Fulham Road bit, well, isn't I, it? Drayton yeah, Gardens. I know. But I know. It, Bat oh. Battersea Southwest 11. And then right next to like South Southeast 5, we've got Southeast 24. Yeah. How do, what is the link? There must be some sort of link as to why they've done it like that. So I'll phone back next week when I have Oh, please time. don't. Interesting question. Please don't phone back next week. <laughs> That was first time calling, James. I don't care. I, don't, I really don't care. What's, what am I supposed to do? Lower my standards just because you're a first time? Why do people tell... I mean, for heaven's sake, Bev, you're a first time caller. How many mystery hours have you listened to? I've, I've listened to loads of them. The guy with the dog that was dying, the dog was... The, that was a moment, wasn't it? That was a magical it was, it was, moment. I was crying. I yeah. Was so, crying. so then you know what a good call sounds like? Yes, I do. And I yet you made this one. Yeah, I know, I know, but I'm interested. What was it about the postcode? All right. That thing, because it, there must be some sort of correlation or link. There, I, there is, and I've been sort of stringing you along for a bit in the hope that I'd remember what it was, but it's not working for me. Oh, so you don't get a round of applause? No, I haven't had a round of applause all week, have I? 
Oh, okay, there oh, you go. Oh, lordy. <laughs> oh, that's even worse. There you are, James. All right, Beth, mind how you go. I'll try to get you an answer. Someone do that boring thing about postcodes again, will you? Francis is in Hornchurch. Question or answer, Francis? I've got an answer for you. Oh, yes. It's about the recorder. Are I have got name. Are you calling a steward's inquiry on this, then? Um, yes, I am, actually, because your other caller got it wrong. All right, go on. Okay. Yep. Well, um, the recorder is one of the few instruments in the woodwind section of the orchestra that doesn't have a reed. Well, it is now. Pardon? It is now, but it probably had reeds back in the day, didn't it? No, it never, it never had a reed. And when, when they were made, they had um, a whistle mouthpiece that was it, it sort of based on the school whistle that they use in the playground now. Oh, OK, fair enough, made. yes. You could whittle it, couldn't you, out of wood? You I mean, could do you that. You put your fingers over the holes, it would still make a sound. London's burning. And why the children learn them, because they're so easy yes. for the children. So why is it called a recorder, then? Ah, oh, now that comes from... It's a Latin word called recordare, and the re-bit means to play it again, and the core bit means that you play it by heart. And so as a music teacher and say to my students, I want you to learn this off by heart, they would play the recorders, but they didn't have any music, and they would have to go at it over and over and over again. So it does actually mean, so it is a recorder in a way as well, so you're recording the music well, so in your memory. Sorry, that's where the word meaning record does come from in the 20th century. That's how it, it that's where it comes from. What about re-rewind, the crowd say bow selector? Do we know where that comes from? Um, no, I'm sorry, I don't know that one. Oh, all right. What are your qualifications? I'm a music teacher. And it's earned you this. Hey, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. A music teacher who's not familiar with Craig David's breakthrough track? No, I listen to good music. I I'm pity your pu- I pity your pupils, Francis. Have a lovely day. 12.58, David's in Hackney. Last word. Oh, are we going to maybe squeeze in a couple more? David, question or answer? Answer. Carry on. I've been waiting for this to come up for ages. Just quick, fill your boots, mate, we're going to run out of time. It's alphabetical. Postcodes in London are alphabetical. Well, you're going to have to give me more than that. How come Battersea comes after Chelsea, then? No, no, I'll give you these, for example. I don't want to go from what E1's all gay, E2's all green, E3 is bow, E4 is for E5 is captain, it goes on and on. They're all alphabetical. And then they might have had to add some e- extra bits later, or, or as, as areas got developed. So SW10 would be West Brompton, Chelsea would be SW3, Battersea's SW11, but it won't be Battersea, it'll be something like Lambeth, or not Lambeth, but... It'll be Fulham, it'll come under Fulham, because it's in, it's in the middle. Like, the last one on the... On this, uh, Qualifications? I'm a lorry driver, I know everything. God, well, hang on, I'll, I'll take the first bit, not the second bit, that's my job. There we go, that's it for another day. Please do tune in to Ian Dale this afternoon when he'll be looking at the challenges of launching a new business within a crowded marketplace. Could a new supermarket stand a chance of competing with the established nationwide giants? He'll be speaking to the director of the new online-only supermarket, Eatify, who are aiming to do just that. So find out more with Ian Dale at Drive this afternoon from 4 on LBC. This afternoon from 1 on LBC, it is, as ever, Sheila Fogarty. We'll do it again tomorrow morning from 10. Thank you very much, James. Fresh from trouble yesterday over this... They met with a bunch of migrants in Calais. They said they could all come to Britain. Today, the Prime Minister tells us the UK will take more child refugees. We don't know how many, but we do know this. Most will be from camps in Jordan and other parts of the Middle East. A much smaller number who are alone in Europe 